right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bariatric Bachelor Now Engaged podcast. My name is Vinny Apicella, and I am here with you once again, like I said I would be. This is week number two, episode number two, season number one of the Bariatric Bachelor Now Engaged podcast. So, what do we have to talk about today? Well, we've got a lot to talk about. First of all, there's a new theme song. It's actually called Speaking Out. I got it with my uh, Cyberlink Audio Director download, and I think it's actually pretty cool because I am speaking out about my thoughts and my ideas and my, uh, well, viewpoints on everything, right? As well as General Hospital and the WWE and AEW and, well, whatever the hell else that has come to my mind. My mind could be a scary place. Welcome to the inside of my mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, seriously. Um, I've got a lot to talk about today. I wanted to get an interview today. It just didn't pan out. But you know what? Either way, it is uh, going to happen. That's right. It is going to happen. I'm going to have interviews on from... My friends, from my colleagues, from other podcast members, uh, or my podcast uh, uh, producers, uh, creators, hosts, whatever you want to call them, I'm going to have them on this podcast as interviews because I like to give back and I like to promote what I like. With that said, I want to welcome you again to the Bariatric, po- Bariatric Bachelor Now Engaged podcast. With that said, all right. I've said that about 30 times right now. We got we got some stuff to talk about today. We've got some general hospital news and notes to go on. Sonny Corinthos is back. Yes, he was back last week, but he's now back in form. And uh, maybe, just maybe, I have a clip uh, to kind of go over where I think uh, things are going and uh, how Sonny actually got played this week with somebody who's who outsmarted him. Let me say that. Uh, but we've also got some AEW news and notes. Yes, I've been watching AEW, All Elite Wrestling, All Friends Wrestling. But either way, yes, I have been watching that this week. I also watched Monday Night Raw for the first time in months. Uh, I watched the Hulu version, so I didn't see it all. And But you know what? They only cut out really about a half hour of it. But what they cut out is what I, have, what I should see. So I am going to start setting my DVR for Raw and just... Fast forward through what sucks. Uh, But I have to say, it was, for the most part, an enjoyable show. I will say that three-hour format sucks because, and I can only imagine when you watch it with commercials (laughs) and having to sit through the commercials. Uh, But, you know, for all the quote-unquote hate that WWE gets and that, you know, Vince McMahon gets for being out of touch and all this other nonsense, you know, the fucking sad part is, is that, It's not just Vince. Yes, Vince has to approve everything, and I get that. Uh, The man is a genius. If it wasn't for Vince McMahon, none of us would be watching the WWE. None of us would be watching AEW. None of us would be watching Impact or Ring of Honor or New Japan. Well, maybe maybe New Japan. But if it wasn't for Vince, wrestling would not be what it is today. Yes, there have been some milestones in the past. Yes, there have been some turning points, some things that shook things up, uh, if you will. But... For the most part, Vince McMahon is the person that brought wrestling to where it is today. And that'll never change. Now, does that mean that he's the end-all, be-all, the god? No, of course not. Vince McMahon is just one person. And he's actually a person of many that actually produce the WWE. Including the writing team. Including Bruce Prichard. And whoever else. The fact is Bruce is the only person of the creative team that we actually know. 
Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are obviously no longer part of it. They haven't been for a couple years. Uh, but Bruce is the one that's on there. So who else, you know, what other writers? We don't know who the writers are. We know one writer got canned during the recent let goes back in the spring or back in the summer uh, or, or spring or whenever it was. Uh, you know, supposedly she didn't know the, the product, which honestly... I have a problem with people who come in to write a product not having any idea of what the product is. Of course, they're saying that's not the reason she got fired, but I say I call bullshit on that. She went on to a, an interview and said she, you know, and basically screwed up a lot of the storylines and the names and didn't know jack shit about what the, what the product was. So I don't blame them for getting rid of her. You can't have that kind of stuff. Okay? With that said, uh... I do want to say that, as of right now, wrestling is at not the highest point that it's been in in uh, history, but it's getting better. It's getting higher. I think the AEW-NXT rivalry had uh, really brought some more eyes to the product. I mean, AEW had its fans, and they have their fans, uh, because, you know, of the Bucks and Omega and the Elite, and, you know, the, the, the whole crowd of people that came watching the Bullet Club, who, in my opinion, is just a rip-off of the NWO, uh, but because I'm NWO for life, and that's how it always will be. Uh, the fact is, I never got into the Bullet Club because I never watched anything but WWE, WCW. I watched ECW and kind of tried to watch Impact and Ring of Honor, but I got older. I, got, I had more pressing stuff to get into uh, in terms of adulting. I don't have the time to watch all the wrestling that's on anymore. I would love to because wrestling has always been my passion. I just don't have the time. There's Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. There's Dynamite. There's Rampage. That's just two companies. You know, then you have MLW, which I think has two shows. Uh, you know, you've got Impact. You've got New Japan. You've got Ring of Honor. All the indies around. There's just too much wrestling on it. And I never, ever thought I'd ever hear myself say that. But it's true. You cannot keep up with it. Yes, I go with WrestleZone. But again, I don't know the majority of, you know, the indies. Because I never really got into them. Uh, yeah, I'll go to indie shows when they're around. Or, or, you know, if they're at a fair, like the North Haven Fair. Uh, or, you know, if I have an opportunity to get out. Sure, maybe I'll go for a night. But... Uh, again, they're just, there's just not enough time to watch all the wrestling there is out there. And that's all there is to it. I literally watch this week. Okay. I watch General Hospital pretty much every night on Hulu. Uh, I did watch Dark Side of the Ring Thursday night, which was absolutely, yeah, it wasn't that great. Um, but then again, FMW, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, wasn't something that I got into. I didn't know about them until... Years and years after it had been in history. Like, I had never known about the Hayabusa injury. I had never known about Hayabusa in general. Uh, Onita. Never heard about them. You know, Cactus Jack and, and uh, Terry Funk and the, you know, barbed wire matches. I, you know, I had heard rumblings about him. And I would seen him in the, in the you know, wrestling magazines and the after mags, if you will. Uh, which the PWI 500, which I don't think PWI was an aftermath, but the PWI 500 has been released. Uh, Jericho had an interview with it on his podcast, so I have some debating on that one as well on the uh, 
on that list. Not Jericho's list, but the PWI list. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, I watched General Hospital pretty much every night. I watched Dark Side of the Ring. Today, being Sunday, I watched Raw. I finished watching Rampage. Or I watched Rampage. I watched Raw. Um, I watched Dynamite yesterday. Um, I did not get a chance to watch Friday SmackDown. I'll have to, you know, give my reaction to the draft next week, which... Uh, I'll watch Raw, uh, SmackDown and then Raw to, in a row to kind of get the gist of the draft. Um, but I did get to watch Extreme Rules uh, this week as well. Um, kind of upset that they put New Day back together. Um, you know, I know Big E is the world champion now and he came over to Raw. But then I saw that on SmackDown, I, yes, like I said, I read Russell's own. Uh, I, uh, I did see that New Day, well, Kofi and, and, and Xavier Woods were drafted to SmackDown, so New Day is broken which, once again, which which is good. You have a brief reunion and then go their separate ways. Big E is bigger than the New Day. And in order to stay a relevant and uh, serious champion, and, and somebody who's taken seriously, he needs to stay away from the New Day shenanigans. Honestly, the New Day had its time. It had its uh, core audience. It had its, you know ideas of what was you know entertaining but again it wasn't a world championship caliber faction now everybody's going to go with me like oh yeah well what about Kofi and Kofi Mania and Kofi Kingston I'll never I'll never want to say that anybody quote unquote deserves a championship because it's earned and regardless of whether wrestling is predetermined kayfabe scripted whatever you want to call it the fact is that you earn your title. It may not be the competitive, you know, match that you really have to beat your opponent with a three count or submission. I get that. But at the same time, you earn the titles. Big E earned his title. Yes, I will say Big E deserved the world championship after he got out of the new day. He had to get serious. He had to take things seriously because... Think about it. You know, Daniel Bryan was a gimmick and a, and, a, and a comedy champion. Especially that whole thing about the Earth. You know, his old, you know, vegan earthware hemp championship, all that kind of stuff. You know, granted, a lot of what he said was right on the money when it came to the fans because they are fickle. But he was a, you know, he was not a believable champion. Yeah, I'm going to get hate for that too. But Daniel Bryan is not. You know, somebody that could really go into a match against a guy like Drew McIntyre or a Sheamus. Or, you know, as remember, remember, what WrestleMania was that? 29? I want to say 27, 29, something like that. Uh, 20, 27, 28, uh, could have been, yeah, I don't know. It was one of the WrestleMania 20s <laughs> that literally Sheamus kicked Daniel Bryan's head off for the world championship. It, 10 seconds or something. So, the fact is, uh, maybe that was 32. Or 33, no. Which one was the Shield facing Kane, Randy Orton, and uh, was it Big Show? Um, I can't remember. But, uh, either way, it was, uh, no, Mark Henry, was it? No, Mark Henry fought right back. I can't remember. I'll have to, I would have to Wikipedia it. I don't feel like wiki, wikiing it right now. But, the fact is, is that Daniel Bryan was not a believable champion. 
You know, the fact that he, at WrestleMania 30, he went through Triple H and then Batista and Randy Orton, you know, I mean, come on. That's only because, that was the only to make sure there was not a riot, you know, because the fans that, you know, they just about rioted at the Royal Rumble, you know, the year prior when Roman Reigns won the Rumble, or I'm sorry, the year after, well, regardless. You know, the fact is, Daniel Bryan, in my opinion now, because I'm from the old school mentality, you know, you have to be, you know, over six feet and over 250 pounds to be considered a heavyweight champion. Of course, that the dynamics have kind of changed, and I get it. You know, Rey Mysterio, again, you know, his athleticism brought him to the dance, but his size, in my opinion, prevents him from... I'm not saying he's not an over guy and he's not a popular superstar and ha is, does not have a Hall of Fame career. I get that. But when in the grand scheme of things, he's like, you know, five foot nothing and 195 pounds, or, you know, at least, you know, at the time of his championship reign, he was 200 and 10 maybe or not even but the fact is that he's still a smaller individual and wrestling no matter how tolerant and accepting and uh everybody has a chance in AEW and, and and in society now no 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 you're not gonna get somebody who's you know five foot nothing weighing 250 pounds playing center for the chicago bulls or for the orlando magic or, you know, the Charlotte, I think they're the Bobcats now, or whatever. Um, so, you're not going to have, uh, no, they're not, they're the Charlotte Hornets, and it's, I don't remember. The New England, or the, the New Orleans Pelicans, right? Is that what it was? Um, but, whatever. I'm getting my NBA confused, because I don't watch the NBA. Uh, but, the fact is, is that you get somebody, like a Roman Reigns, okay? Like a Bobby Lashley, who could actually be believable as a world heavyweight champion you know the rock he had that look you know he was a chisel you know he was six foot whatever six foot five all right steve austin six foot four triple h you know what i mean go on and on you know john cena to his credit you know he's a bigger guy B batista you know they're built they're bigger they're taller and they don't do the flippity floppity bullshit you know um, and I know I'm going to get hate for that, but it is what it is. Um, okay. So enough about my ranting about size. I'm going to start to sound like Jim Cornette, which I will say that Jim Cornette is very, uh, intelligent when it comes to wrestling politics. He's not, he's a dumbass, just like every other liberal and Democrat out there. But, uh, the fact is, is that you have, um, Jim Cornette, who is a manager in, you know, three or four decades of the business, he's got a mind for the business. He grew up in the business. And not that his parents were, but he started going early, you know, and he got close to the Jarrett's. And he was a photographer and then a manager. And, you know, yeah, he's had some in-ring debacles. But, you know, Jim Cornette is outspoken. He's a shock jock. He's going to say what gets him over. Is it a character? No, I really feel he believes that. And, and I do feel that he is, uh, anyways, I'm going on and on and on. I'm rambling, right? General Hospital. We're going to switch gears right now. Although, before switching gears, I do want to say, I do want to, I know Jim Cornette hates the writing committees and the writers and the WWE and 
everywhere else. And, and even, you know, he's he's more of an old school booker. You bring an old school wrestler in and they book the territory, right? Well, you know, uh, Tony Khan of AEW is the quote unquote booker. You know, he's got a committee including, what, C.T. Marshall and uh, Dustin Rhodes or, or whoever else is on there. It, it leaves a lot to be desired, number one. I mean, you got Kenny Omega supposedly in charge of the women's division. You have the Young Bucks in charge of the tag, tag team division. Well, they're all doing horrible. I, I mean, that's all there is to it. There are some decent shows, but we'll get into AEW in a little bit. Moving on to General Hospital, I do want to play this one clip, so I'll pause right here, and uh, I'm going to insert a clip, and uh, we'll be back. Why are you in my house issuing threats? Oh, it's not a, a threat, it's a promise. You and Ava aren't taking Avery from me, and if you try, you will pay. Maybe whatever happened to you while you were away is having an effect, but you are not making any sense. It doesn't matter where I was or what happened to me. And I'm glad I got here in time to hear about your plans to run off with Ava and Avery. That was months ago. Uh, no, Ava refused to leave. Why are you bringing that up now? I heard about the plane tickets from Spencer's girlfriend. You're saying Esme told you about this? No, she must have got something wrong. Let me go get Spencer. No, no, you got it all wrong. Running away is a pattern with you. Always has been. But let me tell you something. You and Ava are not taking Avery from me. She's staying here. And I'm gonna make sure of it. Alright, I'm back. And as you could tell, Sonny Corinthos is back as well. Uh, that, of course, I don't have rights to clips. I don't own the clips. That is property of ABC. Of course, I get it off YouTube and I download it. Uh, but I do want to say that... Uh, Sonny Kruntos is back, already making threats. Uh, of course, he was being played. Uh, as you could tell, Nicholas did say that, you know, it was Esme, Esme. Uh, you know, question why, how Esme knew about this and that she's the one that told uh, Sonny about the plane tickets and this and that. And, and, and everything is unraveling as we speak with uh, Spencer and his girlfriend, who I'm still convinced is Ryan Chamberlain's daughter, uh, with, you know, in regards to how things have been going on. Uh, I, I honestly feel like Ryan Chamberlain can still communicate. As you can tell, he got a little bit of a smirk a couple weeks ago. Uh, and I do feel that Esme is his daughter, and she was sent to get involved with Spencer and then, you know, wreak havoc from the inside, put Spencer up to this and talk his head full of nonsense and everything. Now, granted, Nicholas did... Tell Spencer or make Spencer think that he was dead for three years. Of course, that was when Nicholas Bechtel was pay, was playing uh, uh, Spencer, and now it's this new guy uh, who you know they rapidly you know they sourced him, which in in soap opera terminology is soap opera rapid aging syndrome, and uh, so they did source him, and you know now he's at the same age as Jocelyn, Trina, and Cameron. Now we're just waiting for Emma to come back as a as a new character, although because her current character, um, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, a uh, Brooklyn Brooklyn Ray Silzer, right? Um, because she's so popular, 
it's going to be hard to uh, source her and bring in a new character. But then again, um, then again, Nicholas Bechtel was very popular as well. And uh, they source Spencer. I mean, you, you kind of have to to get the ages right, right? And then every time they alter the birth date. Uh, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. But as you can tell, Sonny is back. And, um, you know, making the threats that he has to, getting involved where he has to, to keep his family safe. Um, and now that the truth is coming out this past Friday, I think it's fantastic. So, what did we learn here? Well, I do think that Esme is um, Ryan's daughter. Uh, that seems to be the consensus among the social media types uh, in order to, you know, just to kind of find out why she's there. Why is she so sneaky? Um, I heard that someone say that uh, she was the uh, the Goodwill Nell or something. Well, maybe it's backwards. I don't know. Maybe she's the Bougie Nell or whatever that word is. Bougie? Bougie? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying when it comes to that. Um, but the fact is, I really feel that uh, things are going to get better going into sweeps weeks. I like how they're writing the show now. Do I necessarily like how Nina, you know, uh, went through and, and is the secret for nine months for Sonny? But think about it. How long did Carly and Jax find out and hold the fact that Nell was Nina's daughter from her? So, I mean, you know, fair turnabout's fair play. However, you're, you're, you're dealing with somebody who's alive compared to dead. Although, everybody thought she was dead. And honestly, maybe. And I heard this on... Uh, uh, Pier 54, the General Hospital podcast, this past week, they interviewed Max from Max Updates GH, cute little kid. Uh, maybe Nell is still alive. Uh, yes, I know. Everybody's so so pleased to hear that. No, um, maybe she is. And, you know, we need villains that come back from the dead. I mean, how many times has Helena Cassadine come back from the dead? How many times did Jerry Jacks or Faison, you know, come back and haunt people? I am so happy that Peter is still alive. <laughs> I know, I'm probably the only one. I like Wes Ramsey, and I've said it, and I put it out there last week, and I put out the fact that, you know, he reminds me of uh, Jake the Sneak Roberts from the 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, I, I really like the way he portrays Peter. Kill me! I, I mean, you know, everybody's so upset with Peter, and they hate Peter. Even my mother hates Peter. Uh, my mother's the one that got me into General Hospital. Uh, but... I, I have been loving the storylines. Um, I do like how, you know, Cam and Trina and Joss kind of concocted the scheme to bring out um, Spencer and Esme as the ones that were stalking Ava. Ava. But you know what? It backfired on them. And, and Esme was a step ahead. And one step ahead of Spencer and Trina, and, or um, ahead of uh, Cameron and Trina and Joss. So... You could kind of see the wheels turning there. Yeah. Um, you could kind of see the wheels turning that, you know, she's got that psychological edge. Now, granted, Ryan was a pediatrician, but Kevin is a psychologist. And she could match wits with him and, you know, psychoanalyze him. There has been some rumors that John Lindstrom is going to be going away for a while or... Uh, taking a break, so maybe they're gonna bring this full circle and really kill off Ryan for good, or kill off Kevin and Ryan will take his space and place, you know, maybe, you know, he really doesn't have that locked-in syndrome or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine. You know, like, even, you know, 
I don't know what locked in syndrome is in the real world. Like, like I've looked it up on re- on Wikipedia, and I know it's a real thing. I'm not saying it's not, but I've never, you know, kind of. Obviously, I've never experienced it, and God forgive me. I hope that nobody here does, and I know people do. So it's you know, I I wouldn't wish something like that on anybody. But as an actor, like, granted, John Lindstrom is amazing as an actor, and especially to pull off two completely different characters on TV um, and to portray them differently. I give him a lot of credit, but, you know, to play this character where you're literally sitting in a wheelchair and you cannot react, you can't move except your eyes, you can't, you know, move to scratch your, scratch your itch or scratch your balls or whatever, like, uh, you know, Ava digging her nails into his flesh and you can't, you know, react like, holy crap, man, like, that's crazy. I mean, unless they have such a realistic life-size dummy of uh, John Lindstrom in that chair and just his head sticking out, but which could be, I guess. But you know, again, you got to think about it. Uh, that's insane to just play somebody who's just sitting there like that. But that's credit to John Lindstrom and how great he is. Um, so uh, I know I've been rambling on and on and on. Next up. You know, I, I really like where General Hospital is going. I want to see where it goes for sweeps weeks. I want to see if um, I want to see if Sonny kind of uh, has those feelings for Nina again, and you know realizes that hey, maybe she's more you know she's got more in common with him than than Carly. Although with Carly being involved with the with the business now, um, that may prove to be detrimental to Sonny and Nina. As we saw, um, I posted a GIF, um, I think that's how you say it, a GIF on uh, Twitter uh, of when Carly walked into the qu- the quarter main living room and Nina was there, like Brock Lesnar ripping the, K- the, the door off the Hell in a Cell. Uh, because it's true! She walked in like a bat out of hell. I mean, you got to understand, it's, it's, you know, completely warranted. Because Nina did keep her husband away from him, away from her for nine months now, you know. So I get it, and I get the hate there, and, and you know the, the the rift, and and the vengeance, and the vim and vigor, and everything that you know. I get it, and and I think that's fantastic. The, Carly is a fantastic villain, even though she's not. She's a baby face, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But that's why I kind of said last week. Look at General Hospital. You have a, you know. You have a mobster as a baby face. The biggest baby face on the show. Sonny Corinthos is Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, Hulk Hogan, the best baby face of all time, even though he had a great heel turn with NWO. But the biggest and the best baby face of all time, Hulk Hogan, Sonny Corinthos in General Hospital. It's the same thing. The Godfather. You know what I mean? I'm not talking about Charles Wright. <laughs> he was another kind of baby face. Um, but, Yeah. I mean, you got the great comparison of Jason Jason Morgan to uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Of course, Spinelli calls Jason Stone Cold. And, you know, it's just amazing to me how big uh, wrestling has gotten to the fact of, you know, Jason, or should I say Steve Burton, who portrays Jason Morgan, actually said on one of his podcasts, um, the Stephen Bradford uh, That's Awesome show, um, again, another podcast, I listened to it for a while, and then I lost I didn't have enough time to listen to him, but um, he even said that he would be walking down, you know, in an airport and people would be shouting out Stone Cold because that name caught on 
and he thought people were calling, you know, for Stone Cold Steve Austin. So it's amazing to me how pop culture and even these two genres, completely, you would think, completely different genres of entertainment, pro wrestling or sports entertainment, and um, a soap opera, but it's, it's very similar. It just, and, and you can't even say they're two different demographics anymore. Because with the advent of Hulu and, and, and streaming, more people can get into soap operas. Of course, less people have gone into the wrestling recently, but that's neither here nor there. There are always going to be those casual fans that remember back to the Attitude Era or remember back to the 80s. Will we have a new resurgence? Is there going to be a new, uh, a, a new ratings challenge that's going to grow the audience? Probably not. I mean, we saw with the Wednesday Night Wars that NXT and, and, and AEW were fighting for less than a million viewers. Like, less than a million each. Like, there was really only 185,000 people. Or, I'm sorry, 900,000 people. 900,000 people that were really going back and forth and flipping. Or, no, I, 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 I take that back because they were about 900 each. Maybe 1.8 million total or 1.5 or 1.9 million total viewers that were go being split back and forth between AEW and NXT. So that that what was so special in the 90s, it's just not there anymore. There are no over there's and that's for a couple reasons. Well, I mean CM Punk has kind of uh transcended the wrestling bubble. CM Punk has brought people in and viewers in to watch and uh it's been great. Um CM Punk has brought some legitimacy to AEW. You know, you and this is what two years in now, two years into Dynamite, so it's two, it's a little over two years into the run of AEW and the company in general. So um, I really think that CM Punk brought legitimacy. Jericho brought legitimacy in the first place. You know when he signed, and you know he was going to be a you know double or nothing, and that's when the kickoff was of AEW, and then they went to fight for the Fallen. And yeah, you know I watched the original Fight for the Fallen and the original. Um, what was the other one? It was Fight for the Fallen and, oh, um, um, the one that was on the, you know, the, made fun of that, that, um, oh crap, I can't think of it. Fighter Fest. Um, yeah, made fun of Fighter Fest, right? So, um, yeah, I watched the first Fight for the Fallen and the first Fighter Fest. Now, I had never been a big fan of... I, well, alright, let me back up a little bit. I hadn't known much about the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega outside of what I heard online and what I heard on podcasts. Namely, Jim Cornette. Cornette is very critical of the Bucks and, and Omega. And that's because of the, they, they have done stuff in the past that you know made a mockery out of wrestling. And, and I get that. Cornette is a purist when it comes to wrestling. So the fact that he was upset about shit like that, I completely understand. And I agree with him to a point. However, I after watching getting into AEW and watching Omega for, for the first time, you know, really watching Omega and watching the Young Bucks, I can tell you completely, Cornette is completely spot on when it comes to the Young Bucks. You know, yes, they're conservatives. Yes, they're Trump supporters. Yes, they're Republicans. And everything, and I get that. That's great for them, and that's great. You know, that makes them great people. But that does not mean that they're great wrestlers. And 
God damn, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to keep going into it. You're going to hate me. I'm going to sound like Cornette now. But here's the deal. Here's what I don't like. I know that we have to evolve. And wrestling has to evolve. I remember back in the you know late 80s, early 90s. And, and this is when I was really big as a child in wrestling. You know what I mean? I was 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Everybody had their finishing move. You know what I mean? Hulk Hogan had the atomic leg drop and the big boo and, and everything. And that, uh, probably the weakest finisher outside of the people's elbow ever. But whatever. That's what it was. It was his signature move. It was his finisher. Nobody was getting out of that. Except until the Ultimate Warrior and The Rock. But, again, well, the Ultimate Warrior moved out of the way. But, regardless. Um, you know what I mean? Like, The Rock kicked out of it. You know? And there were people that did kick out of it. But, for the most part... You know, you had the Root Awakening neck breaker, right? You had the perfect plex, right? Uh, you had um, all these different moves that were attributed. The DDT. You know what I mean? The, the finishers. Like, you knew that once Jake the Snake, you know, twirled that, 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 that finger and, you know, he went for the short clothesline and then twirled the finger and he was ready to give that DDT and there was no getting up from that DDT. And then, all of a sudden... You had other guys use the DDT. You had other guys as a, as a setup hold, as, as a, just a regular move. Like Tommy Dreamer, you know, had the DDT, used a DDT. Tommy Dreamer used the Death Valley Driver. You know, the finishing moves are gone, honestly. Like, and even the fact that now when you even see a, Shawn Michaels, the Sweet Chin Music, perfect example. You know what I mean? When you hit the Sweet Chin Music, it was done. It was over with. Nobody got up from that. Until somebody did. And then it just lost its power, it seems. You know, you had the angle slam. Or the Olympic slam, or whatever. You know, like, you had finishing moves back in the in the 90s. Even the Stone Cold Stunner and the Rock Bottom. Yes, you know, when it came to their third match, they, they traded the finishers and stuff. But you ultimately knew that outside of the select top echelon wrestlers, the, the, the Rock, the Hogan... The, the Stone Cold, the Undertaker, you know what I mean? Outside of the upper echelon, the Triple H, if you hit somebody with your finisher, the match was over. Now, with like especially with the super kick, you get 15 super kicks in a Young Bucks match. Like, it, it means nothing anymore. And they're, you know, their song saying, Super kick party! Come on! That's so stupid! You know, and then they also... You know, uh, super kicked a, what, nine-year-old girl for her birthday party or something? Oh, give me a freaking break. I I'm sorry, but the Young Bucks have lived up to Cornette's disdain for them. And, and what the hell were they wearing this week on Rampage and, and Dynamite? Like, were they trying to rip off uh, the Beach Boys or, or Frankie Valli or, or uh, Freddie Mercury? I don't know what the hell they were and the they gotta stop with that, that the, the, the facial hair that makes them look like idiots. Um, and then Kenny Omega. Now, I'm not as critical on Omega. I didn't see him fighting the Invisible Man or whatever. I don't... He does put a lot of performance into his wrestling or sports entertainment. Um, you know, he's a performance artist. He's not a professional wrestler. Okay, whatever. You, you say tomato, I say tomato. I say get the fuck out of here. No, seriously. I, um... I like, I, I can't say that I like Omega because I don't 
know him that much. I don't know much about his wrestling. Do I think he's the best wrestler in the world? Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. Right now, the best superstar in the world is Randy Orton. And no, you know, in my opinion. Um, in no uncertain terms. And that brings me, you know, I'll get there. Um, I was going to say the top five heels of current generation. But, um, I don't think that Omega is the best in the world. Not at all. Far from it. I, I think he's got a lot of good and a lot of upside. He's a tremendous athlete. I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, and I don't think that, but I don't think that he's a great wrestler. Like, he had a great match with Brian Danielson. Okay, yes, I almost said Daniel Bryan. Uh, but, you know, he had a great match with him. And honestly, when when um, they're really doing a dis... Well, I'll get there. I'm, of course, my mind is going everywhere. Like I said, my mind is a scary place. And it's going all over the place. But, with that said, uh, Omega had a, good, had a great match with Brian Danielson. The psychology was there. His facials are a little over the top. Uh, but he didn't necessarily do anything in terms of uh, like overselling, you know what I mean? Like he didn't do anything stupid, just really, really stupid. Um, but then, you know, it's like he comes back out later, you know, the next week or whatever and just, or on Rampage and yeah. You know, he, again, it's hit or miss when it comes to a lot of the AW guys. I will say congratulations to Sammy Guevara on becoming the new TNT champion. It's well earned um, against Miro. Uh, the former Rusev, who I think now that he finally got rid of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford and now he's on his own and he's not on that best man gimmick shit anymore, I honestly think that Miro is fantastic. Now, of course, we're a half hour into this thing already and I've been rambling for a half hour. So I'm going to go ahead and give you my top five heels as of right now, okay? And in no particular order either. I'm not going to go five to one because, quite honestly, this is not an educated list. This is just me watching wrestling and, you know, whatever. Okay, number five, I have to say that Omega is, does make a great heel. He makes a great slappable face and somebody who you really want to beat. I I, I enjoy watching a uh, Omega because, you know, and I just said I'm not a huge fan of his, but that's because he's a heel. And, you know, because of his work. But I'm taking that part out of it. Uh, I want to see, you know, I want to see the, 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 the character. You know what I mean? Um, you know, you have you have Omega. That's one. Uh, number two, you got uh, Randy Orton, who I think is the best wrestler in the game right now. Yes, he's taken some time. I mean, he wasn't on Raw. And he saddled with this horrible RK bro gimmick, um, which makes him a babyface by proxy. Uh, but... Uh, Get, let's get rid of Riddle. Let's get rid of that thing and, and just kind of squash it. I know they're tag team champions, but let's get rid of them. Um, you know, then, that's two. So then you have Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley is a tre tremendous wrestler, a fantastic heel. He he needed MVP to talk for him. Um, now that, although he did show some really great signs on uh, Extreme Rules and on Raw the previous week. No, no, yeah, on Extreme Rules. Um about talking afterwards when the when the camera caught up to him and he put out the challenge for Big E uh, for Monday night and um, he really did do great with that with that short intense promo keep him that way I think it's going to be great um, that's two but but going forward 
I'm happy the Hurt Business is back together. Uh, Lashley needs those heaters. They need uh, Cedric and Sean. And that was a great group to the point where I think once MVP comes back, they kick him out, they become babyfaces. But, but technically, all three of them need someone to talk for them. So where do they go? I don't know. But we shall see. Uh, let's see. Who else you got? Uh, that's three, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, by far, is a fantastic heel. They've been, you know, the fans have been asking for it for ages because they were booing him out of the building because he was shoved down our throats, even though I've always been a Roman Reigns fan. But with the addition of Paul Heyman and, you know, the head of the table gimmick and with the Usos as his underlings and just his Samoan royalty and everything, yeah, I want to see him versus The Rock at WrestleMania next year. I think that would be fantastic. Because The Rock is the most beloved babyface, you know, right now especially. You know, Hogan's polarizing and Austin's not coming back and, you know, Cena maybe. But The Rock is the biggest babyface that's currently active, you know. So, I mean, and not to mention their family. So, let's see The Rock and, 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 and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania next year. I think that'll be awesome. But Roman Reigns, you know, he's... You know, when he started doing the, the low blows and everything, and, and he came back and his teeth were perfect, and, you know, he just had the 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 intensity to come back at SummerSlam last year, and, and Spear Braun and Spear Bray, and, you know, you know what I mean? Like, he's just absolutely fantastic. And with Heyman, puts the icing on the cake. I can't wait to see Brock and, and, and Roman again with the roles reversed. He, uh, Roman is the heel. Brock is a babyface. Does Heyman turn on, on Roman? Hmm. I don't know. And that's going to be in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel. Don't get me started on that because I'm going to go off on everybody who thinks, who hates that idea. But uh, who hates the Saudi Arabia idea? So next week I'll talk about that. Uh, let's see. And then the best heel that I think could think of right now in AEW, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. MJF is absolutely awesome. I, I am enjoying his 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 promos. Uh, not so much his matches. He's got he's got some go ways to go for his matches. You know he's still a young guy. He's twenty five years old. But the fact is, is his verbal skills and his promo skills are just second to none. He's another. He's the next version of like a Cornette or Roddy Piper or you know uh, Bobby Heenan. All all of that. I mean, come on. When you could tell somebody that. You know, their mother should have swallowed them. Um, or calling the mother, you know, whose real name is uh, Melanie, Methany, because of her drug, drug problems. But that's a goal. Like, he's getting hate because he's a heel. He's supposed to be. It's, uh, there shouldn't be any limits. And I, I feel that's awesome. I, I love MJF. I really think he's the best heel in the business right now. As a matter of fact, I, I could venture to say that MJF, and Peter August from General Hospital, probably the two most hated people in the two genres that I talk about. Um, now, is it the question is again, when it comes to Peter August, is it Peter August or Wes Ramsley? Who you know what I mean? Who hates who more? Um, I personally happen to like Wes Ramsley portraying Peter August. Would it be better with somebody else? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, and then with MJF, are they hating his character? Are they hating him for being a real asshole in real life? I don't know. I mean, of course, it's his heel persona, and I get that because he's one of the he's one of the few people, and the few wrestlers that actually doesn't care that people like him. If people like him, and he'll stay in character afterwards, 
And I think that's freaking awesome. I love that. Especially in the days of social media where you could see two people fighting in the ring and then all of a sudden on social media two hours later they're getting dinner and taking selfies. And it's like, no, you ruined it. Game Fabe all over again. Like, Kayfabe is dead, but no, you don't want that. All right. Well, this has been an hour show already, actually. Or no, I'm sorry. Not an hour. Half hour. Um, actually, close to 40 minutes at this point because I did put that clip in there. And Anywho, I want to thank you all for listening. Next week, it'll be a little bit uh, more streamlined, and I will have a guest next week. I will not let the cat out of the bag because it's still not booked yet. But I want to thank you all for listening. Again, my name is Vinny Absola. I am the bariatric bachelor, now engaged. Next week, we'll get into a little bit more than just wrestling and general hospital, um, and we'll get into some more stuff. But, again, I want to thank you all for listening. Again, the, the, the clip of general hospital, I do not have the rights to it. I do not own it. And, um, you know, it's just for fun. So I want to thank you all for listening. Have a great week and enjoy, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy the week. Just have a great day and stay focused. Have a great day, everybody. Oh, 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 oh